Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. From KUNC and the NPR Network, this is In the NOCO, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Wednesday, February 14th. I'm Erin O'Toole. In Colorado, heated debates over water, who gets to use it and how money should be spent to keep it flowing, are constant. We're examining one example of that today after a state water agency announced plans to buy nearly $100 million of water from the Colorado River, even without plans to change how it's used. Reporter Alex Hager covers the Colorado River for KUNC, and he's here to tell us more. Hi, Alex. Hey, Aaron. So let's start with the basics. This involves the Shoshone water right. What is that? Well, it all has to do with the Shoshone hydropower plant. It is right on the banks of the Colorado River, and it's pretty unassuming even though it is really important. It uses a lot of water to generate electricity, but it takes all that water, sends it through hydropower turbines, and puts it all back in the Colorado River. So then it flows downstream to western Colorado, where it's used by cities, farms, plants, and animals. Uh, Amy Moyer is with the Colorado River District, and I think she describes it best. It is a nondescript brown building off of I-70 that most people don't notice when they're driving. But if you are in the water world, it holds the key for one of the most interesting and important water rates on the Colorado River. The reason it's so important is because in Colorado and around the Southwest, water is managed in a system where the first people to use it are the last to lose access to their water in times of shortage. So the oldest water users have the most power. And the Shoshone water right is one of the oldest big ones in all of Colorado. So that means as long as XL Energy keeps using water to generate hydropower and putting it back in the stream, all those people, farms, and fish in western Colorado have water flowing to them. So it's super valuable. In this case, $100 million valuable. Mm. Well, who is buying it and, and why? The group is called the Colorado River District. They're funded by taxpayers, and they were created basically just to make sure that nobody messes with the water in western Colorado. The Western Slope has a ton of anxiety that the Front Range is going to drop in, snatch up some of the water from the Colorado River. Pretty much the whole Front Range gets a lot of its water from the Colorado River. It's piped over through this complex networks of tubes and canals, literally carrying water against gravity under the mountains. That is where Fort Collins and Denver and Colorado Springs and a ton of towns in between get a lot of their water. But as we all know, those cities and towns, they're growing like crazy, so they need more water fast. If you are one of those fast-growing front-range cities, you might be pretty excited about the prospect of the water at Shoshone. It's a ton of water with a lot of legal protection because it's so old. So this deal is Western Colorado planting its flag on that big share of water to make sure it doesn't get bought by anyone from the front-range. 
Mm, yeah, and basically they're buying it with the intention of using the water in exactly the same way that it has been. Well, Alex, this is definitely a lot of money, especially considering they're not really changing anything. So where is that money coming from? Yeah, that $98.5 million is not exactly chicken feed. It is pretty much all public <laughs> money. Uh, about $20 million of it comes from the River District itself. Another 20 comes from the state. And then the remaining $49 million, that's hopefully for them going to come from the federal government. Uh, it has been using the Inflation Reduction Act to pay for some Western water projects. Okay. Well, so who wins here? This is kind of the wild thing. You know, Western water is really contentious. It's not every day you see a lot of different groups actually agree on something, much less a $100 million deal. That's pretty much exactly what you have here. A ton of different groups co-sign the deal. You've got counties in the mountains to farm districts on the plains, and the river district plans to buy the water and then just leave it in the river. If you're doing that, maybe the biggest group to benefit is the group that lives in the river. I talked with Dale Ryden. He's with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Back in the day, um, before there were people here and there was a lot of water and snowpack, the 15-mile reach was kind of the place to be if you were a endangered Colorado pikeman or a razorback sucker. Um, the adults live here. They spawn here. They feed here. Um, it's just a really highly used and good section of river for the adult endangered fish. A lot of the fish Dale is talking about, they are protected by the Federal Endangered Species Act. So people who use water from that section of the river called the 15-mile reach, they are legally required to make sure there's enough water flowing through that section of the river. So if it gets too low, some of the farmers in the area might have to turn off their sprinklers. But because the Shoshone water is now going to stay on the western slope, they don't have to worry as much. Hmm. Well, I'm wondering, Alex, what can we learn from all of this? What are the, the big takeaways here? Right now, you're probably hearing a lot about this crisis on the Colorado River. Basically, climate change means Mother Nature is putting less water into the river every year, and the humans that use it are really struggling to agree on ways to take less water out. That means the supply and demand balance is all out of whack. And remember, this is a river that supplies 40 million people and billions of dollars of farming from Wyoming to Mexico. So you've got a ton of people trying to grab a slice of this pie. The pie itself is shrinking. So that means that the people in charge of keeping water flowing to their cities and farms or the, the fish they need to protect, they're going to get a little territorial, you know? They're going to be looking for ways to dig in their heels and get protection that can guarantee they will have water flowing in the years to come. And sometimes that's going to cost a lot of money. But this deal is proof that in debates about the Colorado River, when there is a lot of uncertainty, sometimes, sometimes it is possible to put a price tag on some stability even decades into the future. Well, Alex Hager, thank you so much for your reporting on this. And uh, thank you very much for joining me to talk about it today. Thanks for having me. You can read more of Alex's reporting on this and see some cool photos of the Shoshone Generating Station at our website, KUNC.org. And we want to know how Colorado's water issues have changed your behavior. What are you doing, if anything, to curb your water use? You can share that with us in a text or voicemail at 970-614-5323. Tell us your name and the city you're in, and we may use your comment in a future episode. That's 970-614-5323, or email us at noco at kunc.org. 
Coming up tomorrow on In the NoCo, agricultural programs have long been a part of the prison system in the United States. Sometimes it's touted as a source of vocational training to help incarcerated people find work after they're released. But sometimes it's just a source of cheap labor. For the majority of people that are required to work within Colorado, the work that they do is to maintain the prison system itself. And what I mean by that are jobs that socially reproduce the prison. So kitchen work, laundry work, ground maintenance, landscaping, really basic day-to-day -day tasks that the state doesn't want to pay somebody else to do. Joshua Spica and Carrie Chenault from the Prison Agriculture Lab at Colorado State University join us tomorrow to provide some perspective on the murky questions surrounding prison labor in our state. That's it for us today here on In the NoCo. Until next time, you can stay in the know with what's happening in Northern Colorado and how we're reporting on it with our weekly newsletter. Subscribe today at KUNC.org. Robin Vincent is our executive producer. I'm your host, Darren O'Toole. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.